0: Mel Massingale. I'm the lead pastor here and uh, we are so honored that you would join us and that you would worship with us today. So thank you for being here and thank you for worshiping with us today. If you're a guest with us, I would love for you to take just a moment and fill out a card that looks just like this one. Uh, It's in the seat back in front of you. If you would just take just a moment, fill this out. When we finish up here today, you can take this card Back to the info center. It's in our lobby. It's over near the cafe. Stop by there. Give this to them. They'll answer any questions you might have about the church. And they're also going to give you a free gift. It's a coffee mug, one of our summit mugs. It's got uh, our vision statement on there. It says, "Every life made different." Uh, we would love. For you to have that as a gift, just as a token of our appreciation to say thank you for worshiping with us today. So again, uh, if you'll do that, they'll get you taken care of, get you connected. If you want to find out more about the summit, you can also visit our website, summittogether.com. You can also um, find us on social media at uh, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, all those places. We've got a presence. We'd love to connect with you there. Uh, So please feel free to take advantage of that. So again, thank you to all of our guests for being here today. I also wanna welcome every one of you that are watching online at summittogether.com. So no matter where you are or how you're joining us today, uh, we want you to know how much we appreciate you making the summit a part of your day. So thank you for worshiping with us today. I pray that God has blessed you already, but I pray that uh, he continues to do so through the rest of this time together. So thank you for being here. Um, Uh, what do I want to do next? Yeah, let me let me mention this. Um, hey, the last four weeks have been really incredible at the summit, and um, and we started a few weeks ago with our Easter egg, uh, our Easter outreach. We had thousands of people come out for the Easter outreach, the biggest one we've ever had, and God's just had, did incredible things. We saw a lot of people come to the church through that. Um, Easter weekend was incredible. Um, saw a bunch of people saved. Marion Jones, the, when she was here a couple weeks weekends ago, it was fantastic. We saw people saved. And, uh, and lots and lots of people um, just attend. Uh, last weekend, if you missed last weekend, I really do believe last weekend was my favorite weekend at the summit. It was, give me a second. <laughs> it was incredible. It was so much fun uh, seeing people baptized. We had about, uh, about, uh, about 34, 33 people baptized last weekend. We had about 25 people last weekend make decisions for Jesus. They prayed to make Jesus Lord of their life, and that was awesome. And so God's just doing some really cool things here. So, yeah. Uh, and I'm grateful to see God working like he is among us. And, um, and our staff has worked like crazy people the last few weeks, and I'm so appreciative of them. They do a wonderful job. And uh, poor Josh, uh, he started, like his first weekend was Easter outreach, wasn't it? Was that your first weekend here? So Josh's first weekend was Easter outreach. So he just thinks this is what we do all the time now. So uh, so I feel bad for him. But this last week, we I took the staff to a Pirates game. We went down on Thursday and just hung out and relaxed. And uh, these guys have done a great job. They always do a great job. But the last few weeks, they've worked um, uh, like like they're inhuman. And so I appreciate them. Uh, so if you see one of our staff members and they're kind of dragging a little bit, give them a big hug and tell them you appreciate them. Um, and just, uh, just let them know. So I guess you can give them a round of applause right now if you would like. So I don't have a problem with that, but I love you guys. They really are awesome. Uh, let me tell you about a couple things real quickly. Um, If you're new to the summit and you've been trying to figure out, maybe you've decided, okay, we're going to stick around, or maybe you're still trying to figure that out a little bit, Um, immediately following our worship experience today, we're going to have a luncheon. We call it a Discover Lunch. It's just for people that are new to the summit that are trying to figure out next steps, and do I want to be involved in small groups, or how do I volunteer, or what do you believe about, or whatever it might be. Uh, We'll answer all those questions for you. We'll have a brief lunch, and it takes about an hour. We'll just spend some time together. You'll get to meet our pastors. uh, You'll get to meet some of our staff. And then we'll answer questions for you, kind of talk about who we are and what we're about. And then then just give you an opportunity to to get to know us and get to know some of the other people there a little bit as well. So we'd love for you to stick around. It's a free lunch. So if you're interested, please do. Uh, And then also, April 23rd, Is uh, our reach outreach day? Uh, We're gonna send people all over Indiana, all over Indiana County, just ministering and helping and serving ministries, uh, local agencies, uh, parks, all kinds of things. Do we have any nursing homes this year? We doing yeah. So nursing homes, all kinds of things. Last year I had to sing karaoke at one of the nursing homes, which was uh, I was gonna say it was fun. It was fun for me. It probably was not as fun for them. The old people are like, our hearing is bad enough right now, and you're just killing me. So anyway, uh, but we're going to have a, it's going to be a great day. We'd love for you to be involved in that. Steph is going to close out the service. She'll tell you a little more, but you can sign up for that out in the lobby. We'd love for you to be a part of that. Speaking of ministries that we partner with, uh, one of the ministries we partner with is a ministry called Search for Me Ministries. Uh, it's a local ministry, and they do some things differently. A lot of the organizations we support are 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 very. Um, It's very typical in that they are ministries or missionaries or that kind of thing. And this one's a little different. Uh, Bob and Debbie Santos have been part of the summit for years. And uh, they've been members here and we love them and we love their ministry and what they do. And so I'm excited to introduce Search for Me to you today. So why don't you welcome with me to the stage Bob Santos. Morning, Bob. Thanks, Mel. Good Fe- morning. Feels like we've done this a time or two. Uh, a couple times, yeah. That's okay. Um, Bob, how long have you been part of the summit now?
1: It's been uh, 32 human years and 224 dog years. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it probably feels like it's been a lot longer than 32 sometimes. A long time, long time. Uh, so the thing that I love about that is that uh, we've got some people in our church that have been here for a long time, but not very many that have been here longer than you guys. So you guys have really been able to see uh, the metamorphosis of where God has brought our church from 30 years ago to today and, yeah. and that's pretty cool.
1: We're uh, we're living the dream. I mean we, what you guys are experiencing on a weekly basis is something that people years ago prayed for and dreamed about so it's really exciting to see it happening.
0: Yeah it's cool, it's cool. So Search for Me Ministries has had some changes as well from its inception to where you're at today. Why don't you tell right. us a little bit about that? Well, uh, we started.
1: We, we've been involved in the church for a long time, and we ended up um, leading the college ministry out of the church at IUP for about 16 years. And our passion has always been to see people grow spiritually and to develop people spiritually. So, uh, when we were doing that, I had developed some Bible study materials that we saw make a huge impact in young lives. And felt that they really needed to go to a broader audience so we reinvented our ministry and began to produce resources Uh, right now we're we're publishing books with an emphasis on spiritual growth where have you seen
0: uh, some of these books end up and what has been the
1: reach of some of these books well it's again it's all about changing people's lives and so uh, we've had prison ministries use the books we've had recovery ministries you know, when you hear the mother of a drug addict who's really struggling tell you how much her life uh, benefited from a book, that, that's, that's significant. Yeah. Um, college ministry is another avenue that we've, we've worked with.
0: Yeah, um, and, and I think it's great that just the reach, the, some of the surprising places your book has turned up and some of the ways people have been impacted. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about the books themselves? Um, the first one is Champions
1: in the Wilderness, And it's a devotional for those who feel as though they're struggling in a spiritual wilderness. They want to walk with God, but they're just not quite getting traction. And so uh, this one will help orient you and kind of gain his perspective.
0: Yeah, that is a daily devotional. If you are somebody here that maybe you're new to your faith and you're trying to figure out, how do I I get started? Or maybe, you know, I want to start reading my Bible or I want to grow in my faith, but I don't know how. This would be a great resource for that to help you begin that process
1: for somebody who wants to go deeper in the faith who maybe has a foundation and and really wants to better understand how christianity works how to walk with god how to how to live a fruitful life uh the divine progression of grace would be that book it, it it's um it's a pretty meaty book to to dig into
0: yeah and, uh, and mel
1: helped me with that
0: i, I did I, I really i don't know why it says bob santos it should say by mel Massingale and bob yeah. santos Really, I just helped read through it. That was all I did. So if there's yeah. grammatical errors, that was probably my fault. I have a pen. I'll take care of it. <laughs> <Yeah>, perfect. <laughs> perfect. And then, why don't you tell us about your newest okay. book, Touchpoint? Um,
1: the Touchpoint, Connecting with God Through the Bible. One of the huge problems we have in our nation is biblical literacy. Yeah. And many of the problems in our society come back to uh, simply the problem of people not understanding the Bible or not reading the Bible or not knowing how to navigate the Bible. So uh, this introduces the Bible from a relational perspective, that it's all about knowing God. It's not about following lists of rules. And, and uh, it's a great introductory resource for those who are thinking, you know, I, I either want to start reading the Bible or I need a fresh perspective on how to understand it.
0: Yeah, and all these are great resources. Uh, I would really encourage you. All these are available in our bookstore. Uh, you can stop by and pick those up when we're finished here today. Uh, but I will tell you, Touchpoint, Bob has made Touchpoint available. If you have a, an e-reader or a Kindle or, or you like to read on your iPad, whatever it might be, um, Touchpoint is available this weekend for free on, uh, on the Amazon store. So if you go to Amazon and search for uh, Bob Santos or the Touchpoint, you can pull that up. And, and that's a free download, so you can read this book for free. Um, if, you, uh, if you feel so inclined, we would love for you to buy the book today bless somebody else with it, and then download the copy online so you can read yourself. That would just bless their ministry and help them. Um, Bob, what are some ways, if people are sitting here today, and maybe they're being introduced for Search for Me for the first time, or you for the first time, what are some ways, if people want to get involved or find out more, what can they do?
1: Um, They can do several things. Number one is, if you read the book and you like it, recommend it to somebody else. Uh, that's, That's a big thing. We're my gift is to develop the material, it's not to promote the material. So uh, any help we can get in that regard is always appreciated. Uh, number two, online reviews are a big deal. We we are pretty much low profile at this point. So uh, when you have positive reviews, it really mm-hmm. adds credibility to your work. So if you can do a review on Amazon or Goodreads, if you don't know what to say, let me know and I'll write the review for you. <laughs> uh, well, maybe not. Um, prayer is a huge thing. Uh, we've been at this for 10 years with this particular ministry and there's no way we would be able to be doing what we're doing if it weren't for the people that stand with us in prayer, our prayer partners. Uh, on paper, we should not exist. And the reason we do, I think, is because of people who pray. Yeah. And then uh, the last one is finances. You know, we're, there's always a need for um, the finances to just do what we do, to, um, to, to give books away, to promote materials. Uh, If you're looking for an opportunity to get a lot of bang for your giving dollar, I think this is a great opportunity to do that because I think that we accomplished a lot with a little.
0: And Bob is going to be available at the end of our worship experience today. He'll be out in the lobby. They've got a table just to the right of the main doors. Um, If you want to find out more information about Search for Me or if you would like to partner with them on a monthly basis or you'd like to make a one-time gift, you can do that today as well. But uh, please stop by there, visit with them get to know them a little bit. These guys are great. I love their heart. Um, they are not in this ministry because <laughs> they're not doing it to get rich. They're not rolling in giant piles of cash because they've published some books. Because I can promise you that. Their heart is to minister and to serve and to produce resources that will bless the kingdom and that will bless people who are trying to grow. So I love their heart for this. Uh, Bob, is there anything that you want to say or,
1: or mention or anything? Yeah, just a couple things in closing. Um we are about sold out of this, so there might be a few left in the bookstore, but okay. I'm going to be doing a second edition soon. There's a few left on Amazon. Uh, ebooks are all available on Amazon, so uh, just to let you know that. But um, i do my Mel Massagill moment here. Uh, our dream, my wife Debbie and I, Debbie likes to be behind the scenes, so she didn't want to be up here. Um, our dream has always been that we would minister out of the church as a part of the church family, that we wouldn't be out on our own just doing our own thing, that we would be an extension of this fellowship. And as time has gone on, we've been gaining ground and making a a growing impact and having increased influence. And I I just can't say enough about how much I appreciate Pastor Mel and the staff and and all of you and how much You have come alongside and made us feel like we are a part of this fellowship and that we're not just doing this on our own. We're doing this as an extension of the Summit Church. And uh, I'm just deeply, deeply appreciative of that. So thank you very much.
0: Bob, we appreciate you. We love you. We love your heart. Give him a round of applause. He's head down. Thank you so much. Please take advantage. Find out more about uh, Search for Me following the worship experience today. Uh, We are... Starting or continuing a series today uh, called I Am. Uh, we started this back on Easter, and what we're doing during the course of this series is we're looking at the seven statements that Jesus made about himself in the book of John. He made these seven statements, and he would say different things like, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Um, I am the resurrection and the life. So he'd make these statements. And I truly believe that our identity is anchored in the identity of Jesus. So when we understand who Jesus is, it helps us understand who we really are. Because we find our identity in so many different places, or we try to. But at the end of the day, the one place we can truly find our our identity is in him. And so when he identifies himself a certain way, we can extrapolate something from that and say, okay, because he is the way, the truth, and the life, I am something because of that. Does that make sense? And so today, we're going to continue that, and we're going to look at a passage from uh, John chapter 6, where Jesus identifies himself as the bread of life. He says, I am the bread of life. And and I don't know about you, but I like some bread. Does anybody else get excited when they bring the bread out before the meal at a restaurant? When people are getting blessed, they're like, yes, Lord, I'm already thinking about the bread after the service is done, right? Um, But it's just something about it. You're like, bread? All right, let's eat some bread, right? right. And bread has played a really important role in human civilization. Through the, the years, about 8,000 B.C., Egyptians started making bread like we know it today. Um, and by 2,500 B.C., the ancient Greeks had 80 different varieties of bread. They had already developed that. You just thought there was white and wheat. You thought that was it. But no, there was, there was more than that. Um, in fact, in, in Egypt... Um, bread was traded as a currency, and then that continued on even into the Middle Ages. In the Middle Ages, um, bakers actually acted as powerful credit brokers. So you think credit card debt is bad, but if you have some bread debt, you're in real trouble because those guys are sending out the knee breakers. They're coming to collect, okay? Um, but you had to take out loans to get bread. So the credit brokers were in the bakers they were one and the same during Middle Ages. It's amazing. How many of you have ever heard the statement The best thing since sliced bread. Has anybody heard that before? Some of you might remember before sliced bread. Does anybody remember before sliced bread? Nobody's going to raise their hand. Uh, Probably nobody's that old. Pastor Dick is that old, but he's not here, so he can't raise his hand. He's on vacation, so I can make fun of him while he's gone. Um, (laughs) 1928 is when they began packaging and selling sliced bread. Uh, And you might not know this, but in 1943, sliced bread was outlawed in the United States, did you know that? As part of the war effort, they were trying to ration the supplies, so they outlawed uh, sliced bread. You couldn't sell it, you had to slice your own bread And and moms all across the United States literally began writing letters saying, wait a second, I got six kids to feed, and my husband, and I'm making sandwiches and breakfast, and I don't have time to slice all this bread. So they finally caved and started selling sliced bread again. So bread has this, this really close connection to us throughout history, but it's way more than just food. If you look at Jewish civilization or Jewish history, bread represents a lot more. In fact, if you look at Jewish tradition, bread represents hospitality. It represents plenty. It represents God's care. It represents God's provision for his people. It can represent civilization at times. There's all kinds of representations in Jewish culture of of bread. And if you look at just about any of the Jewish holy days, they're all accompanied with bread in some ways. There's a celebration. Bread represents something in their holy festivals, whatever it might be. So we see that bread has a really close association to human culture, but also to Jewish culture as well. Jesus talked about bread a couple times. In Matthew chapter 6, in the Lord's Prayer, when he was teaching his disciples, he says, give us this day our daily bread. And again, he's talking about that daily provision, what they need to live and be sustained and and be able to do the work of God. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus had gone to the wilderness, and he uh, was, was interceding and praying, and he had 40 days of praying and fasting before his ministry, official ministry began. And while he was fasting, the devil came to him and tempted him and said, Hey, why don't you take those? I know you're hungry. Why don't you take the stones and turn them into bread? And Jesus makes this statement in, in John uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse 4 that we know. It says, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And he's quoting a passage from Deuteronomy where uh, Moses was leading the children of Israel out of Egypt, and they're hungry, and they're in the wilderness, and they're complaining, and God sends them bread from heaven. He literally sends bread from heaven. It's manna is what it was called, but it would fall, and they could collect it in the morning. And so Jesus was quoting this passage. So bread is a part of culture. It's a part of what they did and who they were, and really it has a bigger implication than just simply being something we eat to, to fill our stomachs. So let me give you a little background. Um, with John chapter 6, uh, we're going to start reading in verse 26, but let me back up a little bit. If you look at the, the John chapter 6, Jesus had uh, this huge miracle that a lot of you have heard of, even if you're not part of the church or you're not really religious. Uh, Jesus fed the 5,000. And the way he did it was, uh, he was preaching, and, and, and conservatively, there were about 5,000 men, there could have been 15,000 people total that were here present for this miracle. And, and Jesus said, hey, to his disciples, he said, hey, why don't you feed these people? And they kind of mocked him a little bit. Jesus, come on now, we couldn't possibly do that. What are you talking about? And so he said, figure out what we do, what we can do. So they, they collected this boy's lunch, and he had five loaves of bread and two small fishes. That was all he had. And so they were like, what what can we possibly do? So Jesus blessed it. He broke it. He gave it to the disciples. The disciples distributed the, the food to all the congregation, everybody who was grouped together there. And once they distributed the food, every person there had eaten their fill. They were satisfied. They were content. They had gotten all they needed. And there were 12 baskets left over afterwards. So God had blessed this. It was a huge miracle. The people responded in a, in a crazy way. They literally wanted to make him king right there by force. They were ready to make him the king. And Jesus knew, oh, whoa, 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 this is not the right time. This is not my timing. Yes, I'm going to be enthroned as king, but it's not like these people want to do it. So he withdrew. He sends his disciples across the sea to Capernaum. He says, you go, go wait on me. I'll be over there. I'll meet you. And he goes to pray. So during the night, the disciples are going across the sea. Jesus decides to meet him, but he doesn't do it like a normal person does. They don't get in a boat and meet him. Jesus decided he was going to take a stroll. So he walks across the sea. The disciples see him. They freak out. And if we're going to be honest, wouldn't you freak out a little bit if you saw Jesus walking on the water? Let's be honest. So they freak out a little bit. He comes and gets in the boat with them, and immediately, immediately the boat is to their destination. The next day, they wake up. And this mob of people from across the sea has arrived. They said, Jesus, we've been looking for you. Where have you been? When did you get here? We were, we were trying to find you. And this is where we'll pick it up in John chapter 6, verse 26. And Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you're seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Now what Jesus is saying here is really important because he's telling them, he's saying, it's great that you're seeking me. It's great that you're looking for me, but your motivation for seeking me is wrong. Your heart for seeking me is wrong because you saw me do these miraculous works, but at the end of the day, you're only seeking me because of what you can get from me. You're not seeking me because of of who I am. You're not seeking me because I'm the son of God. You're not seeking me because I'm the Messiah. You're seeking me because you want some more bread. You like the bread we served up yesterday and you want some more because you're hungry. So basically, what he was saying is these people were approaching him and going, We need some more. Give us some more bread. Have you ever had this conversation with your child when your child tells you they want something and you're like, No, you can't have it? Like, no, I really want it. I'm like, oh, well, in that case, you can have it, right? Like they, but they press, and this is what these people began to do. They begin to press. And Jesus says in verse 27, he says, Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. And this is what Jesus is saying right here. He says, you're, you think your biggest need is that you need some bread to eat. And that's your immediate need, but that's not your big need. Your immediate need is you need some food. But your big need is there's a, there's something lacking spiritually in your life. And he said, you're, you're addressing this immediate need, but you don't even recognize the big need. And I think... We are not too different than these people at times because we want to address our immediate need, but we neglect the big need. We neglect the spiritual need. We go, God, I'm hungry. Give me some food. And God goes, well, wait a second. You got bigger issues than that. God, um, I'm, I'm, I'm having problems with my marriage. Fix my marriage. Well, I can fix your marriage, but you got bigger issues than that. God, I need a job. Give me a job. Send some money my way. And God goes, man, I can, but you got bigger issues than that. And so what these people were doing, they were saying, we're hungry, give us some food. And they're pressing in. Give it, give it, right? And Jesus says, you're missing the point. Yes, you've got a physical need. And the physical needs are important. We we endeavor to meet the physical needs of the people around us because hopefully that will open a door to meet a spiritual need. But this is the thing. When people are saved, and growing in their faith, at some point they have to shift from being a consumer of give me, give me, give me, to being a person that says, how can I be a part of the solution for my community, for my town, for my work, for my family? How can I be used? Does that make sense? And so this is this is where Jesus is trying to shift them from just simply being consumers to being producers. So this is what he says, do not work for the food that perishes but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you, for on him God the Father has set his seal. And this is in verse 28. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Which is a good question. But again, I think the motivation was wrong. Because I think at the end of the day, the real question is, what do we need to do to get some more bread? Jesus answered them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. He says, basically, that you believe in me, right? That's what he's saying. And then verse 30 says, so they said to him, then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it was written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. (laughs) Now again, what a bunch of petulant children these people were, right? Jesus is like, no, 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 you think you need bread, but it's not bread that you need. And they go, oh, oh, yeah, yeah we get it, we know that, but we want some bread. Jesus goes, okay, wait a second. Let's, let's approach this a different way. Um, what you need to do to be satisfied is to try to glorify God and, and, and honor him and do the work of the Lord. And what's the work of the Lord? Well, this is the work of the Lord. And then they say, well, hey, you need to show us a sign so that we can glorify you. Let me think of what a sign could be. How about if you give us some bread, Right? Like, come on, right? That's all they wanted. Just give us some bread. We're hungry. We're tired of you trying to fix us. We're tired of you trying to help us. We just want you to give us what we want. And too many times we approach God that way. We say, God, listen, here's the deal. We got some issues. We got some problems. Fix our junk, and then we'll think about what we can do for you. But right now, we got some problems, God. I need you to help me. I need you to do for me. Give me some bread, right? And God's saying, you've got bigger problems than that. You've got bigger issues. Because see, Jesus was trying to work on heart issues. And these people were concerned about their stomach. They just wanted to eat. Sometimes we deal with the same thing. So in verse 32, this is what it says. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you bread from heaven, But my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. In verse 34 it says, They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. I still do not believe they truly understood what Jesus was talking about. All they hear is bread. Jesus says, I've got bread that will last forever. They're like, bread that will last forever? I want bread. Give me some more of this bread, right? They've got a one-track mind. This is what Jesus says. It's really important. The first part in verse 32. Jesus said to them, "'Truly, truly, I say to you, "'it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, "'but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven.'" Um, This is not meant to be an offensive statement or hurtful or directed at anyone, but I'm just gonna say it. Too many times I've heard people make statements like, I'm leaving this church because I'm not being fed or I left my old church and came here because I'm not being fed. And I get what people are saying. I get it. I understand. But I want to make something very, very clear. It is not the pastor or the preacher's responsibility to feed you. It's not. It's my responsibility to create an environment where you can feed yourself, it's my responsibility to help create an environment where you can be equipped to do the work of ministry. It is not my job to feed you. And not only is it not my job to feed you, but if you're eating one meal a week spiritually, you're in trouble. What if you only ate one meal a week physically? You only ate lunch on Sunday. That was your only meal. How do you think you would do physically? You'd probably be in pretty bad shape, right? But some of us, that's what we do spiritually. We go, okay, i got to get to church. i got to get filled up. And we get to church and we, we, we eat our meal spiritually. We get something we go, okay, that's good. And that's it. It's not my job to feed you. It's your job to feed you. God provides. God is the one who ultimately does the work. I'm, I'm, I'm a facilitator. Moses was a facilitator. That was it. God does the work. And in your life, you have to be the one that says, God, speak to me. Reveal yourself to me through the word of God. Reveal yourself to me through, uh, through my devotion, through my time with you, through my prayer. Reveal yourself to me through godly relationships around me. Reveal yourself to me in all these, these multitude of ways so that I can be fed, so that I can grow. Does that make sense? But it's God who does the work. It's not me who does the work. So if you put that kind of pressure on me or on Todd or on any of our communicators, you're going to be disappointed because it's not our responsibility to feed you. So Jesus makes this clear. It's God who sends the bread. It's God who does the work. So Jesus, again, he, he, he he's saying God is the one who sends the bread, And we know how this ends. Jesus identifies himself as the bread. And so then they say, well, give us this bread. We want this bread. And so Jesus then, in verse 35, says to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Isn't this incredible? Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall never hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Have you ever been really hungry before? Maybe um, maybe you've had to do a medical fast because you're going in for some tests or something like that. So they said you can't eat for 24 hours. Then at the end of the 24 hours, you felt like you're in like a, a, an eating contest, like you're a professional, you're just eating as fast as you can. I, I can't wait, right? I had a friend that he used to fast, and he literally um he would eat to the day like uh, like eleven fifty nine. he would be eating as much as he could and then at midnight he's like okay I'm fasting today and he would stop eating and then the same thing as soon as the clock would strike midnight like he would stay up and he'd be like I'm eating right he was ready to eat and sometimes we think we're hungry and so man we're hungry we have these hunger pains we got cravings well man it it drives us to consume it drives us to eat have you ever been really thirsty maybe you've done yard work um I know people that aren't big water drinkers, but man, after you've worked a long day and you're hot and you're sweaty, you will just guzzle like a gallon of water. It's the best thing ever when you're really thirsty. You, you want to be satisfied. You want to be. You want that that urge to be quenched. You want that that craving to be quenched, whether it's hunger or thirst. And Jesus says, "I am the bread of life." And so during the series, we've been looking at this idea that because Jesus is something, it means something for us. And I will tell you today, because Jesus identifies himself as the bread of life, because he says, I am the bread of life, it means something for us. And I will tell you, I truly believe that because he's the bread of life, we're satisfied. And this might not mean a lot for you, but the truth is that same kind of physical hunger that that people have and that these people had when they were saying, give us more bread, give us bread, give us bread, give us bread. Jesus was trying to help them see there's a spiritual hunger that resides deep in you as well. In the same way we hunger physically, we should hunger spiritually. And we might not recognize it, but that hunger is there. And the only thing that can truly satisfy that spiritual hunger is the bread of life, it's Christ. Can we detour to something slightly less spiritual for a few minutes? I really don't care what you say, I've got the mic. And I'm going to do it anyway. So, has anybody ever eaten Taco Bell before? A few of you reluctantly. Some of you are like, yeah, I have. Yes, that was me. I ate Taco Bell once. Okay, thank you. I just—it's cathartic that we're all being honest and oh, I feel cleansed now. I, I've had Taco Bell before, and I've got this guilty pleasure. I know Taco Bell's not good for me, but I'll still eat it sometimes. And even when I'm eating it, I'll be like, oh, this tastes pretty good. But have you ever eaten Taco Bell that afterwards you're like, feel fantastic? The answer is no. You don't. Because you eat it, and like 10 minutes later, you're like, oh my gosh, I think I'm gonna die, right? Like, I can't feel my legs. Why is my back hurting? You're not like, all these things. Nobody. The, the reason they don't show you Taco Bell commercials like 10 minutes after they've eaten Taco Bell is because no one would eat Taco Bell. It's like, here they are eating Taco Bell. It's like, ah, they're eating and they're happy. 10 minutes later, they're all oh, right. Like, it's not going to sell a lot of tacos. Now, let me ask you a question. What if you had Taco Bell for three meals, breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day for the rest of your life? Okay, and by the way, you demanded it, so... They've got breakfast for you now. People were clamoring for Taco Bell for breakfast. Now you've got it. So you could have it breakfast, lunch, and dinner. What would happen to you physically if you had Taco Bell for breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day for the rest of your life? Obesity, right. You'd probably have problems with uh, diabetes. You'd probably have some some obesity and heart issues. Your cardiologists would love it because they're going to make a ton of money off you, right? You'd have health issues, wouldn't you? you'd have problems. Now, nobody eats Taco Bell intentionally. Now, now bear with me. I've never once thought, man, I've got a big day coming up with my wife. You know, we're going on 17 years this year. And as I'm planning our date, I don't ever think, oh, you know what she likes is the uh, double cheesy gordito combo. So we need to go to Taco Bell for a 17th anniversary. <laughs> nobody does that. And ladies, let me tell you, if your boyfriend or man does that, you've got problems, okay? Nobody intentionally goes to Taco Bell. We settle for Taco Bell. We've had a busy day. We're running late. um, I've only got time for something quick. I've only got a few bucks in the bank. What am I going to do? Okay, Taco Bell. It's cheap and it's fast, and I will settle for Taco Bell. And so what happens is we eat it, we consume it, and 10 minutes later, we feel like we're going to die, right? Right? And this is the way Taco Bell works. But I will tell you, I'd submit this to you. I really believe that there is a spiritual implication here because I truly believe that, that just like Jesus was trying to connect physical hunger and spiritual hunger, in the same way, I feel like there are many of us here that we settle spir- spiritually. We have a spiritual hunger and we settle for so many things in our life that spiritually speaking, it's Taco Bell. That it's quick, and it's easy, and it's, it's not hard to do, Or so we just settle. We settle for Taco Bell relationships. We settle for Taco Bell experiences. We settle for all these things spiritually, and it's not feeding us. We consume it, but it's not producing life in us. Now, my favorite meal of the year is Thanksgiving. And Thanksgiving's this meal, it takes 10 hours to prepare, and it takes 20 minutes to eat, Right? You start the night before and you're putting casseroles together and the turkey and you're doing all the work and, you know, mom's special casseroles and all the meals and the salads and all the stuff, right? You're doing all this work and the family gets together and it's like locusts descending on a field and the food is gone. And then you're stuffed and you put on your stretchy pants and you get comfortable, right? You know what I'm talking about. I kept a pair of Kim's maternity pants just in case, right? We're ready to go. Then what do you do? You go hibernate. You go sleep for five hours. You feel great, don't you? It's like, man, I just ate this great meal. I feel good. I'm around my family, my friends. You're satisfied. And spiritually speaking, the bread of life is Thanksgiving meal. It satisfies, it nourishes us, it makes us content. But so many times we chase the fast, the easy, we chase the, the the cheap substitute because it's available right now. Well, God, I know you've got a man for me, but but this man's here now. And yeah, he's got his problems, but at least he's here. He's Taco Bell. Let's be honest. Some of you are struggling in your marriage. I'm going to meddle a little bit. Some of you are struggling in your marriage today. And some of you guys are in this room and you go, man, I wish my marriage was better. I wish we could get along. I wish, I'm going to say it, I wish our sex life was better. I don't know what the problem is. And I'll tell you what the problem is the problem is you're looking at porn. And then you expect your, your marriage to be healthy. It can't happen. Because you're, you're feeding yourself something unhealthy and then you're expecting a healthy outcome from it. And it can't happen. What are you feeding yourself spiritually? Are you, are you feeding yourself something that's going to bring life? Are you feeding yourself something that's a cheap substitute, a cheap imitation, something you're just settling for? And that's not what God wants for us. That's not what God wants for you, but that's not what God wants from you either. God wants something so much more than that. You know, I'm thankful that God God is a God that we don't have to settle for. That he's got a plan and a purpose for us that's bigger than what we can imagine. And, And Christian life is hard. It's not easy. We're saved by grace, and I'm thankful for that. But it is not easy to navigate a Christian lifestyle and to let God sanctify us and make us into his image. It's work, spiritually. It's hard to do. It is the Thanksgiving dinner. It's the the preparation on the front end, but it's worth it on the back end. So many of us, we feel like if we just show up to church, that's all we need to do. And it's so much more than that. See, Jesus is the bread of life, and because he's the bread of life, we can be satisfied today. So many people I think people in this room even, you're looking for something to satisfy you. You know, once in a while at night, maybe after dinner, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, you get a little craving. Has anybody else ever done that? And you go to the kitchen. You don't even know what you're hungry for. You're just kind of looking. Like, I don't know. I, want, I think I want something. I'm not sure. And a lot of people live that way in their spiritual life. They know they want something, but they're just not sure. They've, they've tried to satisfy that that craving, that urge, with different things, whether it's relationships, or, or maybe media they consume, or maybe uh, habits or addictions, whatever it is, and none of those things ultimately bring satisfaction. Ultimately, none of those things bring contentment. The only thing that can and the only thing that does is the bread of life. Let's bow our head and close our eyes. God, I love you. And I'm so grateful that you are the bread of life. That, Lord, in our searching, in our longing, in our dissatisfaction in this world, God, we can find satisfaction in you. And you are the only place. Lord, there's not a relationship that's going to bring satisfaction. There's not a job promotion that's going to bring that spiritual satisfaction. None of those things in this world will bring contentment or wholeness or satisfaction like you. So God, I pray that you'd open up our eyes. Help us to see who you really are. God, I pray that you'd help us not just try to get something from you, but let God help us have a heart that really genuinely wants to pursue and know you. And as we do, God, I pray that we would find satisfaction in you. God, thank you for what you've done. Thank you for what you're doing speak to us in this place in these next few moments. Be glorified. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you're here today and you say, Mel, you were talking to me. I'm not walking with Jesus. I'm not in a relationship with him. But I know that I don't have that. I don't have that satisfaction. I don't have that contentment and I want it. I've looked in lots of different places but I'm not walking with him today. I want to though. I want to know That satisfaction you're talking about. I want to know that contentment that you're talking about. If that's you, I'm not going to make you come forward. I don't want to embarrass you. I want to pray with you right where you are, though. So if you're here today and you say, that's me, I want to make Jesus Lord of my life today, would you just put your hand real high in the ear so I can see it and pray with you? Thank you. A couple of hands on my right. Thank you so much, ladies. You can put your hand down. Thank you in the center section, ma'am. Thank you in the back by the sound booth. Praise God. Who else? Join these and say, that's me. Pray for me. I want to make Jesus Lord of my life. I want to know that deep satisfaction you were talking about. Thank you. A couple hands in the balcony. Praise God. All right. I want every person in this place, whether you raised your hand or not, I want you to say this really simple prayer after me. Repeat this out loud Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. And thank you for giving your life as a ransom for my sin. I'm so grateful that I can find contentment and satisfaction in you. You are the bread of life. As I pursue you, shape me into your image. I'm never going back to my old ways and my old life. I am yours. Use my life for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's celebrate together this morning. Thank you, Jesus.